With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn on the Jets podcast, where myself, Will Parkinson, my co-host, Matt Giannessis, talk everything New York Jets football. We have a uh, very exciting podcast for you episode today. Uh, we'll be covering Robert Sala, the excitement around that hire, um, some of his coaching staff picks, and, and what we expect you know, going forward. And then we'll also get into a little bit of the Deshaun Watson rumors and a couple of questions around the second pick for the Jets at quarterback. Matt, how are we feeling today? I'm excited. Tomorrow's a big day. It's the first presser for Sala. Um, so what we've seen from him so far is a couple of quotes have been released. They've been very motivational, kind of just gathering the troops, rounding the troops up. Uh, so it kind of just shows his personality. And uh, the players seem excited too. So we share the same sentiment there. What about you? I'm feeling good. Um, I think this is probably one of the first times we talked about this a little bit last podcast, but now that everything's official, this is one of the first times I think in a long time, the fan base has got this excitement, this rejuvenation, this kind of their love for Jets football kind of all came out in in a positive manner for the first time in a while. And um, whether it's some of the quotes we've seen, some of the videos and on his coaching principles, how he builds a staff from a diverse perspective, both in, background race but also in philosophy and how he knows that he can't do everything on his own and he's going to need help from both the offensive and defensive side of the ball Um, I'm very excited but kind of the biggest thing is is some of the people we're seeing you know him bring in on his staff I'm I'm very excited like by names of you know Mike LaFleur uh, John Benton you know people like that we've got going on we've got someone like Greg Knapp also come in you know in the the quarterback coach role and then there's some names to look for you know on the defensive side of the ball who are you most excited about um Sal is bringing in on his staff well so I think the obvious answer here is LaFleur but uh I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into that I'd go with Greg Knapp uh so Knapp's the QB coach that is being brought in by Sal uh most recently spent a, a stint with the Falcons so he's kind of coaching with Matt Ryan there and as you know, uh, Falcons' record wasn't phenomenal, but uh, their passing game was kind of on par uh, with what it's been the last few years. And, you know, part of that's due to Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, but they have a great scheme going on over there. And uh, Matt Ryan still played pretty well this year, despite a lot of the talk that he's in his decline. So Knapp's experienced um, over 25 years in the league, uh, stints as an offensive coordinator, so not just a QB coach. He was with the Raiders, he's with the Seahawks, he's with the Niners. So just to see somebody with so much experience come into uh, a smaller role as QB coach uh, just shows how, you know, stout this group is as a whole. Uh, Develop Michael Vick, develop Matt Shaw, who people forget was a pretty solid QB back in the day on the Texans. So uh, I'm excited about Knapp. What about you? Yeah, Knapp's an interesting name, um, I think, because something that went really under the radar, I think, with people that were, 
you know, paying close attention to Sam's development in the last two years, the Jets didn't have a quarterback coach. Like Adam Gase was the quarterback coach and, um, you know, him and Dowell um, did their impression of, you know, what they thought a quarterback coach was like, but that was a huge part of, you know, Sam's development was like not only just having Josh McCown there, but being able to have somebody that's working with him every day, that's not afraid to coach him up the right way. And having a guy like Greg Knapp, like you mentioned, being with Atlanta, running that Kyle Shanahan type offense, um, will be able to come in and help, you know, whether it's Sam, whether it's Fields, Lance, Wilson, or, you know, potentially Deshaun Watson, be able to coach them up. Um, someone I'm really excited about is John Benton, 33 years in the league, or 33 years of coaching experience, 16 years in the league. Um, he was a huge part of San Francisco's kind of run to the Super Bowl last year, 2019. Um, they were able to, you know, rank second in the NFL in the rushing and, you know, yards per game rushing fourth in the league in total offense, you know, something that is huge, you know, when the Jets have been successful, you know, 2009, 2010, and even 2015, being able to have a, a balanced, stable running attack and really coach these guys up in order to, you know, get the most out of the play action game, get the most out of their running backs, but also, you know, open up some of those deep shots and some of that West Coast offense that, you know, we're going to be running under, under the floor. So, you know, I'm very excited about him. I think, you know, between him and Nap, it's people that can come in, get the scheme going, be able to help LaFleur coach it up. And, you know, it's going to be a very young Jets offense, um, even if they're able to bring in some, you know, big free agents, um, both on the offensive line and, you know, a receiver. There's going to be a lot of young guys in that offense that are learning a new scheme, um, their second scheme in two years or second scheme in three years. So those guys are going to be super important. Um, what are your thoughts on Salah's defense and, and switching to a 4-3, having been a 3-4 team since the last decade or so? Well, it's exciting. And um, I think – the person probably most exciting who's going to benefit from it the most might be Quinnen Williams. Um, and as a Jets fan, if you're, you know, this past season, he's kind of elevated himself from uh, obviously not a bust, but, you know, didn't live up to the number three expectations in year one to almost playing at all pro level, despite missing some games this season. So I'm excited to see how that goes. Of course, the Jets want to look to add an edge rusher, whether it be free agency or, or the draft uh, to kind of fit that scheme. But it's been such a long time since we've had this, and um, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, another thing that I wanted to add is that um, a player that I think could really benefit from this scheme is Foley, Fadakusi, and Fadakasi. I, you know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm going to mispronounce every name that I say. But um, he's a guy that uh, – he's a run stuffer, but I want to see these guys up the middle. I want to see how they react to this new scheme. Because for them, if they're new to the league, you know, this change is going to affect them some way or another. So – Kind of looking forward to see how that goes. What about you? Yeah, I mean, Quinnen's uh, a pretty – I wouldn't say obvious answer, but it's definitely something that, you know, like he played in a 4-3 at Alabama, was an elite college pass rusher from, you know, in a 4-3. So I'm very excited to see him there, uh, be able to kind of outmuscle some of these tackles, but also, you know, be quicker than some of the guards. Um, like you mentioned, a huge need is going to be both an edge rusher um, opposite him you know, uh, a couple of their, you know, young young players will be able to benefit from going back to a 4-3. But looking up the middle, uh, C.J. Mosley coming back is huge, and, and that's great. But I don't know who's going to play Sam for them. Uh, I think that's going to be a huge question going to free agency in the draft, something that I think they're going to seriously need to address. Um, the opposite corner to probably Bryce Hall. I'd be shocked if we went into the season next year with Bryce Hall and, and Bless Austin. But, yeah, I think – you know, defensively, look, you know, the Niners are top five in top five in defense the last two years. And one of the years, half their defense was missing the entire year. That's a huge plus. 
you know, Sal is very, very scheme diverse in terms of he's a cover three at heart guy, you know, um, but with a guy like CJ Mosley, who can do a lot of the similar things, if not better, uh, that Fred Warner is able to do, they're not going to have to protect him and just sit and cover three all day. So he's going to be able to allow them to play some cover one man. They're going to be able to play cover four, depending on the opponent. They're going to be able to, you know, drop in a lot of these different coverages. That's going to be able to make them diverse, whether they're playing against Tua or whoever's going to be the quarterback in Miami, whether they're playing against Josh Allen, like they're not going to be stuck um, just playing, you know, three deep and, you know, trying to get, you know, trying to get pressure with Quinnen. So I think that's going to be a huge plus. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think there's a lot, there's a lot of excitement around the defensive side of the ball, just because, it's fun when, you know, your team can stop people and also be able to score points. Um, it'll take a lot of pressure off of the Jets early, especially in the season, um, you know, in a new system to be able to have to score 30, 35 points to win a game. So um, I'm excited there. You know, there, there's a lot of names um, kind of being floated around from a defensive coordinator perspective to help out Salah. Um, you know, a name I'm intrigued by is Chris Richards, um, former Cowboys defensive coordinator, worked together with Salah in, uh, in Seattle. I think he's a name that Jets fans should watch out for. Um, he's a he's a cover three at heart guy, but again, they've got some experience working together in Seattle. He did a pretty good job, um, all things considered, in Dallas. Uh, I thought he was a guy that might have gotten a head coaching opportunity probably two years ago. Um, didn't interview great from what I've heard and what I think everyone's kind of heard, but um, he's a name to watch out for. You Have you heard any names you, you're thinking that might be a good fit at defensive coordinator? Yeah, so actually on the Atlanta Falcons uh, page, there's an article that was done by an NFL reporter um, that this guy named Jeff Yulbrich, who if you follow football, you know that he, he kind of took over as a coordinator for the Falcons last year. Um, and over the past few seasons, the Falcons' best players uh, came from his positional group. So you have uh, Deion Jones. You have um, – who else do we have here? <laughs> I already lost my list that I had in front of me. What, you have these Devondre, guys. Yeah, Devondre Campbell, <laughs> another one. So yeah. – so, uh, he kind of coached them up, and the Falcons uh, played much better in defense with him at the helm. And seeing his name linked, uh, just another example as to how Salah has this uh, wide search net uh, on who he's going to bring into the facility. And I, I wanted to add, kind of to go back to what we talked about earlier. You said the name C.J. Mosley, and it was like I, I haven't heard that in years. Uh, I'd say I forgot he's on the team. So that's another thing where when we're looking at this Jets team um, and we're talking about all these new additions, it almost feels like we're going to have a new addition of what could still be an all pro level linebacker that's going to be out there. So uh, that's something to look forward to. And when yeah. we were talking about the, uh, the corners, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but when we were talking about the cornerbacks a uh, name that I've seen linked and it's not super exciting at this point in his career, but people are now saying Richard Sherman as like a 33 year old could be something with the 49ers connection to bring in uh, with Salah. So there's a lot of question marks with the defense, especially when you have a team with so much money and, and um, with such a surplus of players that are going to be free agents going into the offseason. So uh, we really don't know exactly what we're going to see, but excited to see the 4-3. So uh, we can get back to the D.C. I just want to talk about that quickly. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. I always get a little worried. Um, I'm a diehard Yankee fan. Um, if anybody follows me on Twitter. And, um, but it's a Brian Cashman signature move to have somebody that's coming back from an injury when he doesn't make a move at the deadline, will claim they're, uh, they're a move and they're a trade. That's the biggest name they could have traded for. So I always get a little hesitant when somebody says, you know, oh, C.J. Mosley's coming back. But, no, I'm very excited about C.J. Mosley. I mean, Ellsbury's, Ellsbury's coming back next year, I think. Yeah, Ellsbury's coming back. You know, Luis Severino's coming back. So I'm sure the Yankees won't sign a starting pitcher and they'll sell us on that. But, um, you know, look, that if week one last year or 2019 
in person. That was one of the best defensive first halves I've ever seen from somebody. It was like Von Miller in the Super Bowl. Um, CJ Mosley, he's covering guys, running, you know, deep seams across the middle. He's intercepting passes. He's stuffing people in the run game. And then it was like, poof, it was gone. And yeah, we haven't heard anything about it. Yeah, that groin injury. Yeah, it was a groin injury. It was a core injury. Then it's COVID. And it's, I'm not, it's not against him. It's just, it's been disappointing. He's, he was an elite Pro Bowl level player at age 27 coming here now. He'll be going to his age 29 season, hasn't played football. And at that point, it'll basically be 24 months. So I'm excited about him. A guy that I think is a huge priority for the Jets. Look, I don't want them spending all their money in free agency on the defensive side of the ball. But I think guys like Richard Sherman, you've mentioned Solomon Thomas, who's underperformed in San Francisco, but knows the scheme or got names I would watch out for of him bringing over Jason Brett potentially as well. Although, Again, a guy that played really well this year, but played six games over the past three years before this year. So I'm a little hesitant when it comes to that. But look, I'd like them to fill the gaps on defense with maybe, um, you know, low risk, uh, high reward guys like, you know, like a Richard Sherman or like a Solomon Thomas that they could buy low and uh, potentially get great value out of knowing the scheme. Marcus May's got to get re-signed. Um, I think that's a huge, huge piece. Um, like Ashton Davis showed some spots, but I'm not sold yet that he's going to be a three-down player every single you know week you can count on him. But Marcus May played well in the box. He played well at that free safety role. I think having elite-level safety, a potentially elite-level middle linebacker, and then Quinnen up the middle with Fatu Kasi, a Bryce Huff, um, you know, guys like that that's all of a sudden now you're starting to round out that defense and yeah, you can spend a moment. Yeah. You spend a majority of your draft capital and your free agent money on the offensive side of the ball. And if you have a competent defense with a great coach, that's the way you win in the NFL. The chief's defense wasn't great, but it's competent and it can cause turnovers and they won the Super Bowl. They also had Mahomes, but still. <laughs> yeah. They also have Mahomes. So that was the point I was going to make too. If you, if you're going to, you know, sign these relatively cheaper uh, veteran, low risk, high reward type of guys on the defensive side of the ball. You have all this room to spend on, on offense, which in today's NFL is so important. And uh, to go back to Marcus May going into this year, I kind of, he was a guy that I found personally just as a league average starter. So nothing crazy, but a guy that you didn't mind having on your team, but seeing with um, the no longer having Jamal Adams and throwing out a rookie and Ashton Davis out there and just seeing the level that May reached, and um, nothing too eye-opening, but he was there on the plays he needed to be there. Um, you know, he, he gave what, what the offense gave him. So he took what the offense gave him. So I was really happy to see how May played. I definitely think, kind of to agree with what you said, that he's deserving of a second contract. Um, and uh, he said that he is as well. He, he's looking forward to staying with the Jets or hoping that he could stay with the Jets. So uh, you never know. But I, I agree with what you said there. But, of course, we want to spend our money on the offensive side of the ball. So whatever we could do to, to, <laughs> to get to that would be great. Yeah, no, I mean, I know we haven't talked a lot about Michael Floor as of yet. There was just some other names. Even a Miles Austin was pretty exciting to hear. Um, another, you know, another a Monmouth legend and Cowboys legend, Dayton Kim Kardashian and the whole nine yards. But no, it was a great football player and somebody that I'm excited about. Look, LaFleur is something that I think was part of the biggest sell of bringing in Salah. Everyone in the NFL runs Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan's offense um, to some extent. Other, I mean, every good offense is running a, some version of that uh, scheme. And I think, personally, I think someone like Sam would, would thrive. Zach Wilson's run that in college. He could thrive in that as well. Uh, but, look, I think at the end of the day, having a, a talented offensive coordinator, I know a lot of people made a big deal out of it. We talked a little bit about this. But, like, 
if people are hiring the Jets offensive coordinator as a head coach, we're in a great spot. I don't want like Salah can build the staff. It's pretty clear at this point. He's put together desirable coaching names. He's put together, like I said, diverse candidates, um, schematically, background-wise, experience-wise. I'm not so worried about Mike LaFour leaving in two years. If yeah. he leaves in two years, it means this coaching hire was an absolute home run and the Jets have won a ton of games. Right. How, how ridiculous of an argument was that? Because we saw multiple people say that. And look at the Jets franchise over the past 10 years, and you're going to tell me that we shouldn't hire – a head coach because he's going to bring in an offensive coordinator who might be taken away for being so good. I just baffled for a loss of words, but yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I just, I, look, I understand the concern and people have brought it up. Look, you know, Andy Reid's always got the same scheme, no matter who the defensive coordinator is or, you know, how many of his guys get hired or how many guys Kyle Shanahan has or Mike Shanahan used to have that gets hired away. And, um, McVay calls the plays and, all, and, and Sean Payton calls the plays and look, you know, their defense is still good. I get it. The Jets offense has been horrible. It's been freaking horrible for a long time. And when it's not been horrible, it's been pretty boring football. We're going to run, 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 play action pass, run, run, run. So they've never been a schematically diverse team. They've never been somebody that, you know, you turn on the TV and you're like, we're going to see the ball thrown 50 times, and I'm not sure what kind of play calling I'm going to see because they might run a reverse. They might run 30 times an off tackle and then hit two deep shots. Like, we have ne- we just don't watch that type of football. And so that's when you hear all these people, oh, wow, like, I'm watching a Chiefs game. I can't believe they're doing this. Like, yeah, that's what the modern NFL does. So I'm excited to be welcomed into the 21st century as an offense. And the offense is tailored to – Sam, it's tailored to Zach Wilson. It's tailored to Deshaun Watson. Maybe not so much Justin Fields and Trey Lance. You know, an argument could be made either way. But whoever they have at quarterback is going to be set up to be successful. It's going to be able to score points, um, you know. And at the end of the day, like, it's not the goal. Uh, don't we want to win football games? And if in two years, Sal's got to hire a new offensive coordinator that is the next guy from Kyle Shanahan's tree. We'll make it work. It'll yeah. be okay. But that's two years down the line. I don't know. I don't really want to worry about that now. The Jets were two and fourteen. They were seven and nine. They're four and twelve. Like, let's have a winning record and then worry about we'll hiring worry. an offensive coordinator in two years. Listen, it's all speculation right now on you know how well or, or how poorly uh, Lafleur will call plays because we haven't seen too much from him or any of it at a pro level. But just given the the coaching tree that he's learned from. Uh, we could kind of expect or at least hope to expect what we're going to see. And listen, to, to kind of go back to the point where you said where how nice it would be to watch an offense where you really don't know what you're turning on the TV to, we've been getting used to this run on first down, run on second down, third and long, now you pass, incomplete and punt. So um, any change that LaFour is going to bring is welcomed. It's going to be welcomed by Jets fans. Um, so this is a, the type of move where – when we brought Salah in and then we heard LaFleur was coming in, there's immediate excitement because like you said, it's like welcome to the 21st century. Um, so that's might be, the, we, we both kind of uh, highlighted a coach that we were excited about, but I think deep down we both, that's who we're most excited about. And it's LaFleur. Yeah. LaFleur is the obvious name. I, you know, last part on Salah and we can, you know, each episode I'm sure we'll have more to talk about with him. And, you know, when they hire an actual defensive coordinator to come in, you know, we'll discuss that and kind of break him down a little bit, but, an interesting story. I know Peter Schrager detailed this on Good Morning Football, but just the, the amount of ways Sal is able to relate to the fan base, I think, can't be understated. Whether it's the excitement and passion with what he coaches, headbutton players, all those types of things, right? That's all great. But he's got—he comes from a blue-collar family. He's 
Um, he is culturally diverse. He's somebody that is a hard worker. He's paid his dues from, you know, back in the day, Michigan state, you know, there's a story about Peter Schrager told about um, his brother working in finance and, you know, in the, ta- in the twin towers and was able to make it out and it made him want to get back and coach football and do what he loves and worked his way up quality control linebacker coach. Then with the Seahawks, then the linebackers under Gus Bradley, then under Kyle Shanahan, the guys worked under incredibly successful coaches like Pete Carroll, Kyle Shanahan, Gary Kubiak, even Gus Bradley didn't extend as a defensive coordinator, worked his way up New Yorkers, New Jersey, wherever, you know, whatever Jets fans are from, you can appreciate somebody that's a blue collar guy has worked his way up, paid his dues and just want, he wants to be the head coach of the Jets. He wasn't forced because we paid him more. He wasn't, you know, oh, we're going to we're gonna bring you all these things. He's like, I want to be here, and this is why I want to be here, and I want to win here. I know it's going to take work, but I want to do it. If you're as a New Yorker, don't love that. I'm sorry. Like, I don't really know what to tell you. Be excited. Like, the that Jets, bottom line, be excited. Exactly. The Jets don't have guys that want to be here. That's not a thing that's happened recently. So when we have a guy that wants the to The Jets do- tax. Dude, the Jets tax. Sure. We even paid sure. – Le'Veon – like, deep down, Le'Veon embraced the culture. And always, they didn't – they got paid – they came here because we paid – Oh, twice market yeah. value. It wasn't because he was a Jets fan growing up. It wasn't that. But uh, we were talking about Mike Shanahan before, and then we talked about Kyle Shanahan. So yesterday, Kyle Shanahan released a quote um, on head coach Sala, and he said, I mean, he's literally as good as you can get, and he's going to hire the best staff. So kind of what we're talking about today. He knows about the players. He knows what the players want and what they're talking about. So he's going to hire those guys. So he's going to hire around where football is going, around what the players want to see in their coaches. So it's just all around such a feel-good hire. And uh, we mentioned earlier that just the vibe around the organization and the team right now is just something that we haven't felt in so, so long. Yeah, I mean, getting into another – yeah, the positive vibes part, I think, is something that we've talked about a lot. I know a lot of people in the turn on the Jets, um, you know, Slack talk about it all the time. But it's exciting to be a Jets fan right now. We've got – guys like Deshaun Watson rumored here liking tweets and whether he's trolling or is being serious. I mean, I've been told from somebody that's been with him this week in New York, he wants out of Houston. Um, like that's very much confirmed. It's not just speculation. That's from somebody that's spoken to him um, and worked with him directly. He wants out of Houston. And the fact that he's being linked to the Jets isn't just, oh, the Jets, you know, oh, it's a big name. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of smoke. Um, and a little bit of fire there, um, you know, when Deshaun Watson front, but it's not just him. It's Alan Robinson liking tweets the, like about the Jets and playing with Deshaun Watson. It's Richard Sherman talking about how much he loves Coach Sala and how much he wants to, um, you know, how much he might potentially want to come to the Jets. And all these free agents are being linked, and it's not just because the Jets will overpay. I think we've established at this point Joe Douglas is not going to overpay. Um, I mean, you look at the, the bargains he was able to pull off, and Jordan Jenkins came off a career year, and he was like, I'm not paying you more than league average. Um, and it paid off. Obviously, Jordan Jenkins was horrible, um, especially in the past game. I know he's banged up, but was not a very no, good football bad. player last year. He was, no, he was bad. Like, in the run, like you're, a, you're a pass rusher, and you had what, two or three sacks. Not good. But, no, look, I mean, there's a lot of positive energy. Jets have a ton of draft capital. They have a ton of money, and I know this happens – you know, it, it rarely happens where both line up and they have a young roster and an exciting coach and in the GM that's willing to do what's necessary to win, but also it's not going to mortgage the future um, in, a, in a negative way just to have a one-year – look, Tannenbaum was a good GM from that perspective. Those teams, 09, 
2010 and honestly 2011, uh, if the locker room didn't explode, would have been a great team as well. But the team was in destroyed from 2012 to <laughs> the McCadden 2018, and then McCadden even blew that up. So he's gotten us this cap space, draft picks. We've got a coach that everyone's excited about. Every single person I've heard is excited about Salah um, in NFL circles. So. I know you. I know we're all feeling good. I, I'm on a, a little bit of a, a tangent, but I, I'm. I think there's a lot of positive vibes and reasons to be excited about the 2021 yeah. Jets and going the, forward. Uh, the Sherman tweet that you mentioned earlier, or the Sherman quote that I, I happen to see through a tweet. Uh, the most exciting part about that wasn't that he was saying, "I think Deshaun Watson should get to New York as quickly as it, as he can." It was just the fact that in a respected player's head, New York was a space there. He believes that somebody should go. Um, it's not just because it's Deshaun Watson. It's just this isn't something that you see where players want to go to New York. So just the whole idea behind his belief was exciting and kind of gave hope to some fans. Like maybe Sal is bringing this energy that players want to be here now because we already know that all the players that play for the 49ers defense love Sal as a coach. They're preaching to other players in the league. That's a guy that you want to play under. Um, so the more that kind of this goes into circulation, it's out to the public. You know, this is, a, this is somewhere that you want to be. Um, the more people might want to be there. I mean, like you said, we saw Allen Robinson. Uh, we, who knows if he's trolling or if he's not, but the, the guy is liking every tweet linked to Deshaun Watson to the Jets, and he's going to be a free agent if, if uh, anybody listening to this doesn't know. And uh, I personally believe he's, with a quarterback, he's a top seven receiver in the NFL. I think he's that talented, and he's been cursed with Blake Bortles, and he's been cursed with Mitchell Chubrinsky and Nick Foles. So, um if Salah could, could kind of create a culture where guys want to play in it, guys of that level, this is, this is going to be something fun to watch these next couple of years. Yeah, look, I mean, look, Allen Robinson this year with a combination of Trubisky and Foles, like you mentioned, 102, 1,250 yards, six touchdowns. Don't look at the touchdowns because that's not on him. Guy catches everything that's thrown to him. Um, he's got playoff experience, led the league in touchdowns in 2015 with Blake Bortles throwing him, you know, footballs. Yeah. And that, that's the uh, year I, where uh, Marshall had 14. So, and he had more than that. So, yeah, it's, it's like, there's, he's a, he's a great football player, uh, bottom line. And like you said, and, and just building this culture and co- the culture comes with winning, right? It always does. But, um, I'm a diehard Nets fan as well. And part of the reason people like the Nets were able to get Kyrie deal to get Katie and eventually get James Harden. You know, Knicks fans might get pissed on this podcast, and most Jets fans are Knicks fans, but it's a culture they built. They rebuilt the right way. They cleared all the bad contracts out. They took on bad contracts because they could. They acquired draft picks, acquired young, exciting players, and built the culture. It's like, we want to have fun, we want to win, and we want to do this thing right. And now they've got three of the top 12, 15 players in the NBA, right? So I look at the Jets in a similar light. They had a ton of bad contracts. They didn't have the greatest draft capital, um, and they were able to totally rebuild within within a five-year stretch, become a perennial playoff team. And I think the Jets can do that as well. Um, you know, look, on the Deshaun Watson front, um, we can get into this a little bit. Look, it's very exciting um, that a player like that could potentially be on the market. I'm not sold Houston's going to trade him. I know he does not want to be there. Houston trading him is a disaster for that franchise. I don't want to hear, oh, they'll get their picks back. Great. Everyone's looking to draft Deshaun Watson. Okay. They're not, it doesn't matter how many picks you have. You can miss on all of them. The Jets, Jets fans know that better than anybody. We had a ton of picks from 
2012 to 2018, we missed on pretty much everybody. So great. But like for those questions, oh, is Deshaun Watson worth it? He led the league in yards this year. Yards are can be fluky as a stat, but also led in yards per attempt, yards per completion, 33 touchdowns, seven picks. Those are pretty elite numbers. Oh, by the way, the two years before that, they were in the playoffs in 26 and 9, 26 and 12, 4,000 yards, almost 70% completion percentage. The dude's awesome. He's the awesome old- in college. We should have drafted him in the first place, and we didn't. We took Blitzboy, and, you know, <laughs> we're now – we might pay we're for it. great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's the all-time leader in completion percentage among qualified players. So, I think he's 67 point something, 67.7, whatever it may be. Uh, so, you know you're getting a guy that uh, stays healthy, uh, most importantly, that's something that we really haven't gotten with Sam. We've been getting, you know, 12 to 13 games a year out of him. Uh, so it's somebody that stays healthy. He does not throw interceptions or doesn't do it often. He's mobile. He elevates those players around him. He has great character. Um, and he's 25 years old. So like you, you mentioned earlier, um, you're not 100% sold that Houston's going to trade him. And I mean, logically, like why would a team ever do something like that? I think the only reason why the, the only argument against that could be, the cards are on Wat- are in Watson's hands right now. So he's going to kind of choose what happens to him because of the no trade clause and because of how unhappy he is. Uh, so we'll kind of see where it goes. But you even mentioned the person you talked to in New York said he doesn't really care what happens. He just wants out of Houston. So uh, the bridges might be burnt. Uh, they might have, you know, it might be too far gone. We'll see. But if the Jets could get their hands on a 25-year-old that is an all-pro level uh, quarterback, this is unprecedented. This really doesn't happen. So who knows what they're going to have to give up. But so much to talk about with this topic. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, it, dude, it's, it's nice to be able to dream. And like I said, the, the excitement around this organization that we just hired the most desirable candidate on the market, built a great staff, and then now we're being linked to a top five quarterback. And that, I mean, I'd put it the Jets getting lost in maybe 10, 15%. But like, before two weeks ago, three weeks ago, did you think there was any chance we were going to have a top five quarterback? Like I'm the biggest Sam defender probably ever. And I know he's not a top five quarterback next year. Right. So every, like Ian Rapport said it before, Oh, the Jets have called and uh, Miami and Carolina, all these teams. Of course they've called. If you don't have Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, Allen, maybe Lamar, and I guess Tannehill, um, amongst others, just from an age and, um, you know, effectiveness level, you're calling the Texans because Deshaun Watson's better than most of those guys. Or Russell Wilson, sorry. For, I, everyone always forgets about Russ. But he's either better than those guys, younger. I mean, look, if I'm any team that's not those guys, I'm calling the Texans saying, what do you need from me? The Jets are in a rare position where they have the cap space to be able to continue to build around him. Obviously, the roster's pretty similar to Houston's at the moment. So it's not really an upgrade there, but playing in New York, if he brings a winner to me, if he becomes and wins in New York, the dude's going to go down. People talk about Joe Namath. If you really look at how great oh, Joe yeah. Namath actually was as a quarterback, wasn't that great? Okay. So I've met Joe Namath before. The dude's awesome personality and he won a Super Bowl in New York. And that's all that matters because fans don't talk about, wasn't that great? And people still love Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington was good. And, like, brought the team to a playoffs. Mark Sanchez, my boy, USC, he's a great playoff quarterback. Wasn't that great? It <laughs> wasn't great otherwise. And we still talk about him in a positive light. So, it's all about winning in New York. I think Deshaun Watson could help with that. But, look, they've got the draft picks. Um, they've got the, you know, money to be able to build around. What would you give up for Watson? What would your hypothetical 
I'm putting you, I'm putting Matt, you're Joe Douglas tonight. What are you, what are you calling the Texans? What are you calling Nick Casario with as your trade offer? I think it starts with three first rounders and I'm somebody that believes in building through the draft. It's kind of my thing. I don't like giving up draft picks. So when the Jets got two first for Jamal, I thought that blew my mind. Uh, but I, when you're talking about a 25 year old quarterback, I think it has to start with three first rounders and you go from there. Now, something that needs to be said is it, personally, and I think everybody should think this, uh, not all first rounders are equal. So when you have the Jets having the number two overall pick, that needs to be valued a little bit more than a team offering, you know, the 22nd overall pick or something along those lines. So that pick should hold a little bit more weight in those three first rounders. And I don't know if you should have to give up too much after that by too much, maybe, you know, some mid rounders here and there. Um, but of course you want the Jets to keep enough picks around to be able to build around Watson if they were able to get him. Um, so if I were to ask you, what would you say? Yeah, I, I, my, one of my favorite uh, quotes the last couple of weeks, my buddy Kyle Brandt said he wouldn't give it, he wouldn't trade Deshaun Watson for seven ones, as in like he wouldn't give him up even if someone gave him seven first-round picks. And it's honestly hard to blame him. The problem is the Texans have absolutely zero leverage. He makes a ton of money, which is very much well-deserved, but he does make a ton of money. Um, they have no, he has a no-trade clause, so they can't trade him anywhere. And he doesn't want to be there. So if you've learned anything in, you know, 2020, 2021 sports, these athletes, like these elite level athletes, top five, top six guys in the league, if they want out, they're getting, they're getting out. Keyshawn said this morning, he's like, if a guy makes a big enough issue of it, they're getting out no matter what. So I'd start with number two, I'd be willing to part with 23 this year. And then either one this next year and the year after, or just spread out the ones, you know, accordingly and a couple of late round picks if needed. I don't see any way Sam's getting thrown in that deal, and I don't see any way – I'm not sure. Tannenbaum asked, you know, since we about Quinn getting thrown in a deal, I don't know why the Jets would move on from their one all-pro level player. That makes absolutely no sense. So I'd start with I'd start with three ones and sprinkle in a, a couple threes if need be. The last guy at a similar-ish level um, to, to Deshaun Watson, like getting moved at this point in their career, was Jay Cutler. Um, and I know people are going to say, oh, Jay Cutler wasn't that good. Jay Cutler was a very well-renowned quarterback and his first three years in Denver got moved to Chicago, um, you know, and I, they're going to get more than – the quarterback position is even more valuable now. Like they, they traded a one, a three, and Kyle Orton. Um, the Jets are going to have to give up more than that. So If the Jets again, give up just, a one, a three, and Sam – And no. Sam, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> – you basically yeah I mean at the end of the day the three ones would be Jamal in a first round pick um you know for Deshaun and a, a, it'd be really Sam Jamal and a one for Deshaun a two and a four um so you just have to look at it like there's not many times that you get your chance your hands on an already elite level player. I think Sam can still be really good. I think Zach Wilson or Justin Fields could be really good. Deshaun is really good. He's elite. And by the way, before Jets fans listen to this and get mad at my about my Joe Namath take, Joe Namath career is 173 touchdowns and 220 interceptions and is a losing record as a quarterback. So I don't want to hear it. It's great he won a Super Bowl and I love him for it, but just want to make that clear. He was not very good. Just want to put that out there. 
Yeah, people link to uh, the knee injuries and, and so on and so forth. He's a legend because he won in New York, and that's the bottom line. That, that he, was my point. That goes if back Deshaun to Deshaun Watson yeah. wins, Sam wins, whoever, that's all that matters. Right. No, no one cares about stats. Eli's overrated, but he won two Super Bowls, and he's a legend. Yeah, he's a Hall of Fame possible candidate, and he really was a slightly above average quarterback for his career, except he has two epic you know, playoff runs. So winning in New York is everything. Um, we saw Watson was in New York the other day, you know, linking up with KD and, and, uh, and Harden. So it's just, uh, it's a place people want to be for sure. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. My one hypothetical for you, Deshaun Watson doesn't happen. Jets are still locked in at two. Deshaun gets traded elsewhere or doesn't get traded. It doesn't matter. Not to the Jets. If I told you we're on, you know, we're a week removed from the draft. The Jets have traded back. They've kept Sam at quarterback. Okay. So Sam's our guy for year four. We've traded back. We've accumulated picks. We've drafted some form of um, Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, um, you know, some some form of that. Um, and then we've signed guys like an Allen Robinson and, and Joe Tooney and potentially a Matt Judon in free agency or something like that and Richard Sherman. The roster looks really good. We've, we've accumulated picks and we've got a ton of draft capital still moving forward. Sam's a guy. Not Justin Fields, not Trey Lance, not Zach Wilson. Are you excited? Are you pissed? What, what would your reaction be? I'm giving you an oddly specific answer because this is exactly how it would go. Initially, I'm going to be upset because I personally, in this situation, um, would have took uh, Zach Wilson at two. I like Wilson more than I like Fields. That's something we could talk about later, closer to the draft. So I'm upset initially. Then I see the guys that we get. We get Tooney. We get Allen Robinson. You know, we accumulated uh, all these extra picks you said Chase or Smith, whatever it may be. I will yeah, talk we end up with a top three receiver and Allen Robinson and stuff Mims. Model. I, I will talk myself into it so fast, Will. So fast will I be okay with it because I do love Sam Darnold. I don't, I don't think he's going to work here. I'm ready to move on. So quickly I'll be talked into it. But I have to say my initial reaction is upset because I, I would 
choose to move on and I would take Fields. Uh, I would take Wilson, not Fields. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'd be pumped. I, look, I have kind of come to the realization maybe after the Pats game, I'm like, look, that was – I think it might be over. Um, not even all Sam's fault. It's just the whole situation. And then we're getting closer. Sal gets hired. Obviously, there's a lot of you know nice quotes from Douglas and Sal and stuff. And then Kyle Shanahan's dropping quotes about how great Sam is. And McShay and Kuyper are talking about there's no way the Jets take a quarterback. They have to trade back. They're going to get a one for him if they trade for him. All these teams are interested. And honestly, it got my, it got my heart racing again. I'm, I'm like, I want, I want Sam back. I want to trade back because I think whether you get Watson or not, obviously in the situation you would not, but you continue to have enough capital to where – you can build the roster, and if Sam's not good next year, you could still go up and trade for a quarterback if you love one of these guys. Look, if the Jets don't love one of them, I don't want them taking him. But I'd obviously be excited. The other thing that I thought was really interested in, interesting in McShay and Kuyper's um, draft pod they said the other day is that look at all these teams with quarterbacks that either just retired or are not sure at quarterback. Um, we'll get into this as the season gets closer, but there's eight or nine teams on the Jets' schedule next year that don't know what they're doing at quarterback. That's that means there's going to be a huge demand for that pick. And there's also going to be a huge demand for Sam. Sam's got three years worth of NFL experience. And we can argue one versus a two and a four or a one and a seven or whatever it is. Look, Big Ben's probably going to retire based on his attitude and his lack of pretty clearly lack of wanting to, to play anymore. Um, he might come back for the 40 million and I can't blame him. And I can't really blame the Steelers for having him back. He's still a legend. Breeze is done. New Orleans is not sure if they're going to quarterback. They might stick with Jameis. Good luck with throwing 35 interceptions a year. Um, you look at Philip Rivers just retired. Indy is a desirable spot. You look at Denver's not sure what Drew Locke. Elway loved Sam out of college. You look at uh, – there's a million different teams and a million different options. So if they keep Sam, that means that second pick's going to have a ton of value. And I'm, I think the value would outweigh how much better Zach Wilson and Justin Fields would be than Sam. So that's personally why I'd be, A, really excited, but also I still think it's okay to roll with Sam. But, look, there's a lot that's going to happen. Um, we'll talk about more of these scenarios. Watson, number two pick. More that comes out with Salah's defensive coordinator. Any, you have any, uh, any last thoughts before we, uh, before we let, the, let the people go? Yeah, I think, uh, I think a lot of people will be at your throat for that take, and unrightfully so. I don't think it's that ridiculous of a take at all. Although I do want to make it clear, I definitely think uh, the Jets uh, would be beneficial for them to move on. I also think it would be beneficial for Sam uh, to move on, in my opinion. Uh, let me ask you one question, kind of to wrap it up. It's one that you're going to hate and you're not going to want to answer. But if we were to move on from Sam, and you're a Sam fan, so you want him to succeed, uh, where do you think he'd be best positioned for success? Uh, pretty easily for me, it's Sam Fran or Indy. Okay. Um, I think Sam Fran's moving on with Jimmy G. Kyle Shanahan loves him. He'd be great in a West Coast scheme. I think in Indy, it's an awesome roster. They could really use a mobile quarterback, like somebody that can throw and move. Philip Rivers is awesome. I love him. You know, congrats on an amazing career and um, in a grade A trash talker. But in the playoff game, you look against Buffalo, if he could move around the pocket a little more, they win that game. Um, so – Indy in the AFC for me is my favorite. I think it'd be kind of crazy if he came full circle and ended up getting to play with all the guys that he got traded for initially. Um, and then, and Frank Reich's done an awesome job. Look, he 
I think is the reason the Eagles won the Super Bowl from their play calling perspective and why their offense has kind of sucked since then. And then NFC wise, San Fran easy. Again, talented roster, amazing head coach, awesome offense for him. And play, watching him play in SoCal would really, uh, really do something in my heart. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I don't want that to, to happen, but. <laughs> For me, it's a pretty easy – those two are the easiest ones, and um, I think it would be easy to root for Sam there. God forbid they uh, move on from him. <laughs> God forbid. All right. So, uh, any last words? Are we going to wrap it up? No, I think we can uh, – I think we can let the people go. Um, you know, stay tuned every week. Um, be sure to, uh, you know, subscribe and download the podcast. And, uh, you know, exciting time to be a Jets fan. So, uh, have a great uh, – have a great rest of the week, everybody, and uh, take care. See you next week.